Okay, welcome back to an emergency episode of the Limited Upside Podcast. The All-Star Weekend happened, but that's the smallest thing that, that's going on in the NBA world. The biggest thing is DeMarcus Cousins has been traded. There's only one source at SB Nation to go to for this, and we're lucky to have Tom Ziller on the phone now. So, Tom, please take us through all of your many emotions uh, on this on this Monday. Yeah, thanks, Ben. So, I actually, like, slept through it. Um, forgot to turn <laughs> on the, the Woj notifications before I, um, before I turned the TV off and walked away from, from, uh, the NBA for the evening and, uh, woke up to, to the fantastic news that Marcus <laughs> Cousins has been traded. So yeah, it, it's, um, like disappointment and disenchantment, uh, with this franchise is nothing new. It's just a different, uh, version of it this time. Um, and sort of, uh, working through resigning yourselves to, another um god knows how long of um irrelevant kings basketball yeah I, I, it struck me when the news first came out that they were talking to the pelicans i think my first reaction was well this is, there's no way this can happen like new orleans does have anything to trade for anthony for for uh, demarcus cousins it was like oh they're not trading anthony davis and so what are we talking about here like this is just new orleans trying to make it seem like they're doing something and then six hours later the trade happens uh it just kind of happened like that and I think it's a bad. It's obviously a terrible uh, value in a vacuum. But I think one of the things your piece, made, the points your piece made this morning was that it's even worse when you consider the full context of what happened before this trade and what's going to happen to the Kings now after this trade. Yeah, it's you, you really have to take every deal that happens in the NBA in the full context of the situation. And so when you look at, especially the Sixers trade, not even two years ago, less than two years ago. Um, right after Vladi Divac had taken over the team, um, they they went and and opened up a bunch of cap space to to try to get some veterans um, in to build around um, Demarcus and try to make a big playoff push coming into the new arena for this year. They had one year left at the old arena and they really wanted to put things together, um, and so they they traded a ton of assets just to get cap space when they didn't, when a, the free agent class was pretty bad, especially when you're talking about players who would come to the Kings (laughs) um, and B without actually having locked any of those guys up without having, having actually like worked out deals in advance with any of those agents. Um, So they, they sent uh, Nick Stauskas, who was a young lottery pick uh, who had a very bad rookie year uh, with the Kings they sent him uh, two pick swaps and and a, a future um, pick over to to uh, Philly along with um, along with some some contracts, Jason Thompson, Kicka, and Carl Landry, just to open up that cap space. And they ended up striking out on Monte Ellis, who they wanted, which was uh, not not a great sign in the first place. They didn't get West. They they offered West Matthews near max. And didn't get him because Dallas came through and gave him the max after DeAndre Jordan did his thing. Um, they ended up with Rondo on a one-year deal for like $10 million. That was not a great deal. Uh, Marco Bellinelli, who had an awful season for the Kings, it was only salvaged because the Hornets, for some reason, decided to trade a first for him. Uh, and Costa Kufus, who is now like the second best player on the Kings, probably, behind Tyreek <laughs> Evans, our old friend. So. And they're going to trade him, too, probably. Yeah, and they absolutely should trade Kufus at this point um, because they need to be playing all the kids. 
And then, you know, once Rondo left the following year and they got rid of Bellinelli, they opened up some more cap space, which they spent on uh, Aaron Aflalo, who uh, <laughs> they're trying to get rid of, um, and who has not been good. Um, Garrett Temple, who is injured right now and actually has been good, but he's a veteran. They're not going to keep him around in all likelihood. Um, it's just been and Matt Barnes, of course, who is on a cheap contract and they're now going to waive, um, who was kind of the boogie whisperer, um, when he wasn't, <laughs> you know, assisting getting boogie into trouble. I was say, what do you, club. what is you was whispering is the questionable part of it. Like, just do yeah, it. It, it, hit him. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. He was just bringing the wrong things. Not, not exactly the mentor you want to put around your, your volatile 26 year old, but no. um, that's the King's way. And so that deal really looks so, it looked ridiculous at the time. And I wrote at that time and pretty much everyone else did. Um, it was a bad deal at the time. Sam Hinkie absolutely hoodwinked Vladdy Divox um, in that deal. Uh, it didn't work out in the immediate term. It didn't work out over the next year and a half, and now it looks even more ridiculous. The only reason that the DeMarcus Cousins trade may not go down as the worst trade ever is because Vlade had already done that. that six <laughs> oh, I mean, harsh but true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we should we should take a step back, too, and like, I didn't even mention this yet, the actual pieces that the Kings are getting back, because I want to know how much of this, Tom, is that they did trade Boogie, and that they didn't, you know, go into the summer with the free agency and the two hundred million dollar contract, or how much of it is just that what they got back isn't even sufficient uh, for Jalil Okafor? You mentioned this in your piece. This may not even been enough. I mean, granted, it would have been enough for Okafor, but barely. And the difference between Okafor and Cousins is is a large chasm here. So, how much of it yeah. is the fact that it's Buddy Heald, Tyreek Evans, Langston Galloway, a first that's not going to be that good of a pick, and a second round pick? I mean, that is a poo poo platter by NBA standards. Yeah, it's not a it's not a, it's not a great uh not a great collection of talent there. So Tyreek <laughs> is now the best player on the Kings. It's either him or probably Darren Collison. Who's probably gonna get traded. And so like <laughs> who will probably get traded. And Tyreek, I mean the one thing you can say for Tyreek is that he's very experienced in playing for god awful Kings teams. <laughs> and true. so he'll sit right back in. This will be very comfortable for him. Um but he's gonna be a free agent. He's not gonna resign in Sacramento. Sacramento's not gonna resign him. Um Langston Galloway is, um, I think, you know, a nice enough player who, um, you know, he's, he's a role-playing defensive player who's going to be on what is a, the equivalent of a 21 team. Uh, not really necessary. Um, Buddy, you know, say what you will about Buddy. He's playing about as well as Nick Stauskas did in Stauskas' <laughs> rookie year. The difference, Stauskas was 19 and Buddy Hill is 23. Oh my Buddy God. Hill is the same age as Andre Drummond, who's a five-year veteran. Um, he's only a couple of years younger than Cousin. The Kings supposedly didn't want Andre Drummond. At least that's what one report suggested. And yeah, I mean, that it depends on what the other pieces were in that deal, of course, too, because there's a lot of salary gap there. But I mean, regardless, like if Nick Stauskas wasn't the answer and you traded him plus other assets just to get cap space so he could get mid mid-rung or lower free agents um centering your boogie cousins deal around buddy healed is not the best idea now apparently the king's Alpha sees something in buddy that they really like and maybe he will turn out he's gonna he's gonna get a lot of shots right yeah um, he'll probably be the starter from day one as soon as he passes a physical and he'll someone has to score even if they're only scoring you know 85 90 points a game um, someone's got to get some of those, so it'll probably be him. They'll probably trick themselves into feeling really good about 
uh, Buddy going forward. They do have him, you know, cheaply for the next three years, and they'll be able to get that second contract on him if he doesn't if he does pan out. So, uh, you know, building around Buddy Hield is as funny as that sounds. Um, financially, should be should be safer. Um, <laughs> but if he's still he's still Buddy Hield. Like, yes. I, is he better than Ben McLemore was Ben McLemore's first year in the league? I, I, I would know. say no. Uh, and he's older, uh, but they seem to really love him. This is the thing that I'm so confused by, right? So it was only a month ago that we were talking about, oh, Cousins is our guy. We're going to give him the $200 million extension. And as you said, they have catered to build a team to work around Cousins for the last two years and really longer when you consider all the coaches they've fired, all the win-now moves they've made. And then they do an about-face in like two days. I mean, what... There's some reporting that they were like really excited about how they played in that one game against the Celtics without Cousins. You know, barring something crazy happening behind the scenes that we don't know about, like why would they suddenly change their minds now? That's what I'm so confused by. Yeah, I mean, so Vivek Ranadive is is pretty fickle. Like he's he's quick to change his mind. Um that's been the case throughout his tenure when you go back to you know, firing Mike Malone and then hiring George Carl. Both of those things were things that were absolutely not going to happen until they actually happened. Um, same with trading cousins. You know, it wasn't a month ago that, that, you know, the, the Kings front office said that, you know, they were going to stick with Boogie for the long term. It was a day ago. <laughs> this weekend at All-Star, they were vociferous um, in their um, claims that, no, they were going to keep Boogie. Boogie, you know, has shockingly, said all along, yeah, I'm going to re-sign in Sacramento. I want to. Um, there have been reports throughout the year that have backed that up. He has said that personally. Some of that might be because he can get more money if he stays in Sacramento than anywhere else. Um, and his agents were, were trying to get him to just get to the summer so he could sign that contract. Um, now he can't. Now he won't sign the $200 million uh, contract um, this summer. And so he's going to lose out on at least $30 million, if not more. Um, so that sucks for him. But um, the fact that, I mean, it's almost like the Kings got a gift too, you know, from, from the CBA negotiations, having that designated player, um, contract into effect, um, come into effect for this summer. It was, it was like a gift, you know, it, and it was meant to allow less glamorous teams to keep their, their homegrown stars, so to speak. Um, and they decided to, to right. go with Buddy Hill. And now, I mean, <laughs> I can't they, they can't even use the, the designated player, deal on Buddy Hill because they didn't draft him. So. <laughs> no, I, I believe they can. They can't pay him $200 million down. I think if you're traded within the rookie contract, you you can. But either way, I mean, we're a well, long way from... Well, that's what I look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, either way, we're a long way from Buddy Hill being worth uh, $250 million or whatever it's going to be. I mean, I would say this. Like, Tell me if you agree with this, this thought. I think what this shows, the idea of like moving cousins and like kind of starting fresh... Uh, Kind of makes sense to me. The problem is that they waited until now to do it and accepted a crappy deal in return. But I, all this stuff that whatever could have possibly convinced the Kings to change their mind, like, it's not exactly a surprise. Like, all the reasons that you would want to move on from Cousins were there six months ago, a year ago, 18 months ago. It's I, I struggle to believe that there was some epiphany moment that should have happened that would have changed everything. And so... I wonder why didn't they do this? Just do this sooner. I think they would have gotten a lot in return because right now I think it's really telling 
the teams that were involved at the end, we're talking like Phoenix, the Lakers, New Orleans, you know, not teams that are successful. And it's also telling which teams were not involved, I think, and that's teams like Boston. It doesn't sound like Toronto was ever really involved. It doesn't sound like Washington was ever really involved. Some of these teams that we thought might be involved. So why the thing that really strikes me as a big mistake here is a matter of timing. Like I it would have made more sense to do this trade sooner. Sooner or later, right? Right. So I understand wanting a fresh start, but if you can get to the summer and you sign him up, you know, for the designated player deal, you have to wait another year to trade him. But, you know, in terms of sunk cost fallacy, like you've, you've spent six and a half years already on him, you know, what's another year and a half if it substantially increases the, the uh, you know, value of the trade. But, but you're right, you know, going back 18 months ago when they decided to, to blow their, their, their draft assets, um, to get cap space, um, they they made a decision right then to go in with with cousins going forward, um, cousins and Rudy Gay at that point, and um, didn't work. Um, and so they're they're paying that price now. This is what what's what's so funny to me is, you know, at the time, like, well, you know, we don't we don't think Stouts is going to be that great. Uh, a lot of people who were defending the trade were saying, well, you know, the Kings don't draft very well anyway, so it's not a big deal if we give up draft assets going forward. And now, now you're in the exact opposite position. And this is, this is like, even if you think the, the trade like works out and it's nice to have Boogie out of here, um, people are talking about how he was a dark cloud or the franchise and everything. Um, you're still left with Wadi Deepak making draft picks. Um, to to decide the fate of your your franchise and not even good draft picks, right? They're, they're, that's yeah, it, this year is number ten and number you know thirteen or number twelve, something like that. So two late lottery picks um, in a admittedly good year. But what have they done with those late lottery picks in the past? Georgios Papagiannis, Jimmer Fredette, Jason Thompson, Spencer Hawes, um, oh, and even when they get good picks. You know, Tyreek worked out. I, I think that was a good pick, even though it wasn't Steph Curry, um, who was better and won a few picks later. He won Rookie of the Year. He was actually good uh, at the beginning of his career. Cousins obviously worked out at number five. Other than that, it's, you know, Thomas Robinson, um, Stauskas, Ben McLemore. It's not, it, it has not worked out. Not all of those are Vlade picks, but his picks have right. been uh, no better. Right. I mean, 10, 10 straight years in the draft lottery, and all you have to show for it now is the guy you just traded for a bunch of guys who are fringe lottery players at, at best at this point. I mean, you look at Buddy Heald was a lottery pick last year, but in this draft this upcoming year might not have been a lottery pick or it may have been outside of the top 10. Right. Um, and so that's, you know, that's a very immediate one for one. He's also older, like we've already mentioned. Uh, I want to know two things here. Uh, and Mike, you give me the National Basketball Association parallel, but, but Zillow, you give me the the Kings franchise. Are there any parallels here historically? Have the Kings made any other trades that that riled you up in this same way? And then, Mike, tell me about another player ever in the heart of their prime, averaging almost twenty eight and eleven a game, who's been traded. Yeah. So, from the Kings standpoint, this is like this now enters the trifecta of bad Kings moves. So, the we have the Sixers, the Sixers move I mentioned, the yep. the hinky um, swindle, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> that will continue to pay dividends for the Sixers for at least uh, two more years. And then um, the, the insane deal, um, absolutely insane deal by Jeff Petrie right before the, the lockout in 2011 um, to trade down in the draft so that he could take Jimmer Fredette number 10 instead of taking him all the way up at number, I think it was seven or eight. Um, 
and then to get to get John Solomon's in that deal because you desperately needed um, a wing who could play defense. Leaving on the draft board, Kawhi Leonard and Clay Thompson, <laughs> who went a few picks later, um, one of which is the finals MVP and a two-time All-Defensive Player of the Year. The other one is an all-star and half of the, the best backcourt in the league. Um, yeah. <laughs> so this goes up there. This is like up on the mantle with those two deals. Um, and those, uh, all three deals, I mean, two of the three deals have been made by um, been made by Vladi, the current GM who you're now trusting the fate of the franchise with. You know, there's, there's a, a fourth one there that's not so much a trade, but um, it, it was technically a trade, but, you know, Isaiah Thomas for, gonna say. for a, a, a future second round conditional pick and the rights <laughs> to a guy who has never played in the NBA. Um, and that was, that was more a free agent decision. They just decided they didn't want to pay Isaiah Thomas a little above the mid-level exception to stay in yeah. Sacramento. They didn't think he was good enough. Um, meanwhile, he's a two-time All-Star. When you put it this way, this is like what the Sacramento franchise has been through. I mean, this this trade does feel a little bit like the Chris Webber to Sacramento trade, ironically, back in the day, where there was yeah. like, well, we just got to get a fresh start. Uh, you know, we really believe in, I forget exactly who they got in that trade. I think it was Mitch Richmond. Mitch Richmond, yeah. Otis Thorpe, I believe, was in that trade. Uh, maybe not. Uh, either way, like that was very much a, you know, addition by subtraction kind of move that we have to make. And obviously that worked out so terribly for the for the Bullets Wizards at the time. You know, so that, yeah. that's what it reminds me of a little bit. It reminds me a lot of the, and it's a little later in his career, but when Barkley finally got out of Philadelphia, because we've been talking about how Philadelphia got some benefits of this Kings trade. Uh, you know, way back when, we, we took um, 10 cents on the dollar. We gave away the guy who was going to be the MVP the following season and take his team to the NBA Finals. And in return, we got the coach of the Knicks, uh, Tim Perry and Andrew Lang. So, you know, Hornacek, Perry and Lang were traditional role players at the time in the early 90s. Uh, and Jerry Colangelo ended up winning executive of the year that year for that trade. Um, obviously, Hinky is not going to get any awards now that he's unemployed. Uh, <laughs> maybe he'll be employed. I don't soon. know. Write he him in. Be, yeah, right. Write him in. Right. I don't know if you guys have votes. Absolutely. Write him in because uh, clearly he's been one of the most effective front uh, front office people in the NBA this season from his shadow post in Silicon Valley and his his snowboard um it's a, if only the Sixers won some games <laughs> we've won I've told you this already and I don't <laughs> this is not a Sixers podcast we are 124 percent ahead of where we were last year guys so just so <laughs> from like zero <laughs> 10 but still congratulations yeah, yeah no for sure I, I want to ask you guys both this because this does ask uh, or open up a larger question here right is this an outlier trade or is this the market for superstars? Uh, and then I want to hear a little bit later on. We'll just finish this off with what it means for the Pelicans. But before we get to that, tell me about what this Cousins trade means for the next uh, four days, guys, before the deadline. Yeah, and, you know, I think Cousins is a very special case, obviously, with, with the issues he's had. We've mentioned the two other superstars in the past who got traded um, for pennies on the dollar just because of sort of perceived real or otherwise attitude issues. Um, so I don't think he necessarily sits stakes. I think the interesting area is in terms of big men. So, um, you know, obviously the game is changing. Um, there's a lot of talk about the price for Brooke Lopez being uh, incredibly low um, mm -hmm. and the Nets not really being able to find anything they're willing to take to, to move him. So I think in terms of big men, um, you know, there, there's not really sort of comparable wing players or, or guards that um, have the same um, history that the boogie does and same reputation. But sure. um, I, I think if, if there's any sort of parallel, it might be in terms of just big men are decreasingly valued. Interesting. 
Yeah, I, I I would agree that this is a totally unique situation when you consider the ineptitude of Sacramento, the weird timing, the fact that I mean, let's switch over to New Orleans. Like New Orleans is desperate, and that's that's why you know some a desperate team is the kind of team that's going to take the Demarcus Cousins risk at this point. And you look at again the teams that were involved were desperate teams, teams where if they don't make this move, like it's not like things are going to work out well for them. So. You need a special trade partner in that situation uh, in a way that I don't think is true for other teams. So I don't think this is a new value. I think it's true that big men, you know, are going to be less value now. But like if DeMarcus Cousins was not the personality that he was, he would have still fetched a significantly more return than he got, even when you consider the stylistic changes in the league. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's true. I'm wondering, though, if this means anything for, say, like the next couple big names down the road right now, like a Jimmy Butler, if he gets moved, uh, if Carmelo has a price tag. You mentioned Drummond's name being someone who's young, plays center, et cetera. Not just the center position, maybe, but like, is there now something where we think that like the 14th or 15th pick in the first round has enough value to move a superstar? Or is it this going to behoove teams like Chicago to maybe sit still and be like, this is not the market. This is not the time. Yeah, I mean... Chicago's front office has issues of its own, so <laughs> true. Uh, I'm not prepared to rule out that they would trade Jimmy <laughs> Butler for for a uh, for pennies on the dollar. But um, yeah, I, I think a lot of it is like, yeah, I think a lot of it is the particulars of Cousins and the yeah. Kings' ineptitude. Um, yeah, it is they, special. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and then I also wonder, like. Part of this, from the Pelican standpoint, too, is, and I, I hate to bring Hinky's name to this again, but like this is a zigging and zagging situation. I mean, there's never been two big men this skilled on the same team in NBA history. I mean, straight up, that no, you could go Duncan back to Samson Rajuan, uh, Duncan and Robinson. But I, we had this discussion earlier in the office today. But like Robinson had just come off of his second lower back injury and was in his 30s. These are supremely talented, uh, unbelievably athletic. Still, there's there's not like this. You're not talking about 32 year old grounded cousins and like. 31-year-old off his 50th surgery, uh, Anthony Davis, which he might have by the time he's 30. Um, but the idea being like, you really have two guys who could grow into a, a very different type of basketball. And is this is this a zigging when everyone else is zagging situation? Uh, because the, the logical question here is they're really going to try to play themselves into the eight seed. And Tom, I'm wondering if you think, we had a question here from a, a Minnesota Timberwolves fan here. Um, could this new Pelicans team cause an upset in the first round? If they make it to the eighth seed, do you think this is going to be a, a difficult uh, out? And how do you see these two gelling, uh, the Anthony Davis-Cousins partnership? Yeah, so I think it's a harder out for the Warriors, but the Warriors are so damn good that they'll figure it out. And the the Pelicans have extreme shooting problems. Like Boogie yes. is one of their better shooters right <laughs> off the top. Davis is one of their better shooters. Drew Holiday is a good shooter. But um, you know they really depleted their their wing depth um, that's not something they're there that's foreign to them because they've dealt with so many injuries over the years, but, you know, losing Tyreek Galloway and buddy, um, really, you know, puts Tim Frazier in the, in the big spot, Etuan Moore, who I like, um, is going to, you know, sort of be a release valve for a while, um, which is not his best role necessarily. Um, and then Drew Holiday really has to ramp it up. Um, but I, I do think they'll work well together. I think, you know, the, the team is not terribly well balanced now, so we'll see what they do maybe uh, the last few days before the trade deadline or, or in the summer. Um, I, I think, you know, Boogie and, and Brow are going to do great things together um, so long as they, they do stay together. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I, I think the, the concern might be that Davis is a bit more deferential than he will need to be. 
Um, Boogie is not at all differential, <laughs> as, as Rudy Gay and Tyreek Evans and Isaiah Thomas have learned over the years. Uh, Boogie's going to get his. It's going to be up to both Boogie and Davis to ensure that that AD continues to get you know plenty of plenty of touches as well. I think defensively, it's going to be an interesting mix because Cousins. Um, not the the swiftest guy to get back on defense. Alvin Gentry is not particularly known for his defensive chops as a coach, but he 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 does have you know history with um, you know coaching big guys that that aren't the best defenders. You know with Amari Stoudemire and, and sure. Phoenix elsewhere as a, an assistant. Um, Davis makes up for a lot of mistakes on defense when he's engaged. Um, certainly not worse than the than the defensive front lines they've had over the past couple of years with Omar Ishik and, and Ryan Anderson. Um, they, they've dealt with some, some defensive issues up front. Um, and, and Cousins can be a, a really good defender, especially when he's engaged. When you look at the ends of games um, yeah. on defense, he really plugs in in the fourth quarter. And um, Kings have had a number of come-from-behind victories this year where he's really plugged in and, and dominated late in the game on both ends. So I think I, I think they'll, they'll do really well together. I think the the roster around them needs a little bit more work. I think there'll be some a feeling out period. The the one interesting thing is they haven't really played together, even though they're old buddies and uh, Kentucky guys. They didn't overlap at Kentucky because they're both one and done. Right. Um, they played together a little bit on USA basketball, of course, the all-star team, but um, it'll be interesting to see how they mesh on court, uh, given their, their friendship off the court. I am more skeptical that this will work. And Ooh. I will say this, that the Pelicans had to make this move because, I mean, again, what it, what is your option for getting really a lot better if you don't do this? There, there's really nothing. You know, that that franchise was in such a hole over the long term. Davis's free agency was looming. I mean, this is the kind of trade that a team like the Pelicans has to make. That said, the mixture of those two guys who play, I would say, at similar spots on the floor offensively for sure um, – you know, low block, stepping out where they can against fives. It's noteworthy that they put the Pelicans have looked better with Davis at the five, and now you're sort of, I don't know who's the five and who's the four, but the point is is that you have another traditional big there. I think that will be difficult. I'm not sure I trust uh, Alvin Gentry to kind of get these guys um, to work together well. I'm not sure there's that, like, good veteran or strong presence. You talked about Davis being deferential. I mean, that's my concern as well. I mean, who is the guy that's going to make sure that Cousins is focused on that team. Uh, who's the veteran? Who's the strong-willed head coach? I don't think that exists, and that's that would be a concern for me uh, as well. You would mentioned they don't have a lot of shooting. Um, stylistically, I have no idea what they're going to look like, and they got to do this really quick on the fly. Uh, you know, yeah. So I hope it works out. I think it would be a fascinating experiment, and I, I don't think this is a zigging versus zagging thing. I think it was more like, hey, if you can get – a great talent and you're in that position as a franchise and you only have to give up that much. I mean, of course you, you make yeah. the trade, but oh, yeah, from the Pelican standpoint, you do this a hundred yeah. times out of a hundred. I only mean zigging and zagging in the sense of like the league is trying to figure out how to combat this warriors, you know, open offense, right? Guard play wings, et cetera. And it's like, well, we don't know who our wings are going to be, but we do know we'll have the two best big men in the game. And I guess is kind of what I meant by the con- you know, contrarian form of basketball. Right. They might have to, to play. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. Is Alvin Gentry the, the guy to coach that style? Like, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. I mean, the other thing that's interesting to talk about here is the specter now is Cousins is a free agent after next year, and you know, I think his agent was like trying to scare off a trade by saying uh, we're not going to re-sign with anyone that we get traded to. I think he was just trying to protect his 
extra commission on the uh, designated player extension. But it is still a concern that it's not quite clear if this is a long-term investment. I think the Pelicans are hoping that Cousins spent time in New Orleans. It's close-ish to his hometown. You know, that will tip the scales. But that, I mean, this is an, that's another part of the risk for New Orleans is that what if this is just a year-and-a-half rental? Yeah, I, yeah, they can. So go ahead, Tom. I think he's so hungry for victory and for success that if they do make a run, and I've, I mean, it's going to be a struggle to get to 41 wins still, but um, if they can grab that eight seed and get into the playoffs, I think that'll go a long way towards convincing Boogie that um, he doesn't want to give that up to to go somewhere else unless you know you can walk into a, a winning situation with with a franchise that's already um, you know already put together. And you can just be sort of a finishing touch. Sure. Um, I, I believe they can still ink him to an extension this summer. It just wouldn't be a um, designated player extension. I might be wrong about that, but they may still be able to lock him up long term uh, if they are able to get the eight seed and, and get some good feelings and um, him and AD really mesh well. Um, they, they might, you know, still be able to do that before he becomes a free agent. And you know, if, it, if it's not working out, um, they know they can get um, something for him. <laughs> on the trade market uh, either this summer or uh, or next trade deadline. Uh, perhaps even the Kings will take him back and, and send Buddy back their way. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the, such that? a Kings move. Yeah. I mean, they already got, if they can somehow end up with Tariq Evans and Boogie on the same team in Sacramento, this will all be uh, for good. Now, here's my other question to you, Tom, is do you think there's another team out there that should have entered the bidding that didn't or should have tried to trump this offer? Um because I was surprised, yeah. I was surprised that there was not much of a market, even when you consider all of the baggage that he has. Yeah, I, I'm a little surprised um, that other teams were involved. I understand to a certain extent why teams like Boston and, and even Washington weren't involved because they have good teams. They're going to make deep runs into the playoffs, hopefully, um, and they have, you know, in Boston's case, they have some really good assets that if they just use those assets. Uh, if they just take a top four pick um, and add that to Jalen Brown and the other young guys they have, um, they will be better in the long run for it um, as, as Al Horford ages and some of the other guys turn over, um, you know, with Washington, you don't want to mess up, you know, one of the best starting lineups in the league right now, even though he has a friendship with wall and they kind of do need that, that big man. Um, I, I can understand that um, teams like Detroit and Orlando on, a little surprised they didn't uh, come with bigger offers. Um, the the Lakers offer, I guess the hang up there was not only that um, they would burn Golden One Center down if you traded Demarcus Cousins <laughs> to the Lakers, but the fact that the Lakers weren't making Brandon Egram available, I don't know the other pieces of that. But if you can get like Angelo Russell and and Julius Randle for Cousins, yeah. I think you do that instead of Buddy Hield and the number fifteen pick. Um, so. <laughs> I'm surprised. I would be shocked if this was actually the best deal. This is the sort of the other thing with like grading the deal. Everyone's like, oh, well, it says something about Cousins. Is this is the best deal that, that they can get? Now, it's not the best deal they could get. It's the best deal Vlade Divac, who has been right. swindled <laughs> time after time, could get. Um, we right. don't know what the actual best deal out there was. Um, we know what the best deal well, that Vladi said yes to was. I mean, Vladi still thinks that his swap for Kobe was a good deal. So when you take that <laughs> into consideration. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, the, that, this is also like why it makes no sense to do this now. I think a lot of these good teams are don't want to mess up a good thing that they have going. But, you know, if they get knocked out earlier than they expect in the playoffs and the summer rolls around, 
and the Wizards are staring down, you know, their long-term cap situation barrel, and Boston is looking at nobody wanting to take their assets, suddenly you get a market. And yeah. so that's why it's even more baffling that they chose to do this now. I mean, you're not going to get the big market you want at the trade deadline. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Time. Yeah, it's true. And then it's also just like the not doing anything would have left the Kings with a better off-season trajectory just by not trading him, keeping him, and figuring stuff out, maybe use your amnesty, something to that effect. Um, it's just it's an odd thing. And that brings up, if you want to go to the Celtics and Ainge, Ainge does a lot of posturing and then not doing stuff, and like fainting, uh, if you will, like a punch in a fight, and, and just to see what the reaction will be. And he does so much of that. Um, I want to leave it with this. Um, Tom, give me the, the pulse of Sacramento right now. I know this is a weird, traumatic morning. It's pretty immediate. The franchise player is, is going to another Western Conference team. Um, but, but kind of just, if you can, try to sum up the, uh, the vibe right now as you wake up in, uh, in Sacramento today. Yeah, it's been pouring rain, so I haven't left my house. So I don't know if the people are marching <laughs> in the street yet or what, but uh, just, based on, just based on Twitter, um, and, you know, the people that don't like DeMarcus Cousins are very happy that DeMarcus Cousins is no longer here because they don't like watching him. They don't like the text. They don't like all the stories about the Kings always being about the Marcus cousins. Um, they're just ready to move on. I mean, we, we had a columnist that, that suggested the Kings should waive the Marcus cousins earlier this year, despite averaging 28 and 11. Um, <laughs> those people are extremely happy. They think, you know, this is a great moment for Sacramento. I think Howard Beck's column sort of summed up those folks sentiments, but um, you know, the Kings sort of finally have their franchise back and it's not, um, taken away by this megalomaniac who um, happens to be like the best big man in the week. Um, <laughs> I think the people who like Boogie or appreciate um, that he is a positive force on the Kings, even with all the negatives, sort of the positives outweigh the negatives. And I consider myself in this camp, despite being blocked by DeMarcus Cousins on Twitter. Um <laughs> I, I, I think we are uh, justifiably upset about the, the terrible, terrible return in this deal and yeah. the bleak, bleak future for the Sacramento Kings. Yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be fascinating to see, you know, this is the first year of a new arena and the Kings have been making a lot of money. Uh, this year with their new arena, uh, I presume it's helping with selling Cousins as a key piece to that. Is this trade going to remove – are fewer fans going to go? Are the Kings going to start making less money? And, you know, this was always why I thought they were going to do the extension is that, you know, yeah, the team was a mess and front office is a mess, but they're printing money. And they could keep printing money if DeMarcus Cousins was the, the showcase. And now they're still trading him, and that's why I'm a little surprised that it happened. I thought they just kind of made their, their marriage with like, okay, maybe we're not going to win a title, but at least we're going to make a lot of money doing this. And so I wonder what's going to happen now that he's not on the team in that regard. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think too much will happen in the immediate term because all the tickets they they were going to sell this year have pretty much been sold. Um, they they sold out their season tickets, and then most people have bought game tickets that they were going to buy or packages or whatever. Next year, I think the renewal for the season tickets has already come, and so yeah, oh, I, too I bad guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, I mean, there there's been a wait list for season tickets, so I think people don't necessarily want to fall off of it. Um, I, I think they'll continue to do well financially. They got kind of a sweetheart deal. Um, and, and there's still a lot of excitement for the arena and everything. Yeah. Um, but if they get as bad as the Nets 
I mean, there was a lot of excitement for the Nets a couple of years ago. That's true. There's no one going to those games, and that's in New York City. That's in Brooklyn, where there's a lot more people than there are in Sacramento. Um, so if, if they get bad, I mean, the Pelicans have dealt with this. Um, if you're bad, you're not selling out the arena in the NBA. It's just too too big of a commitment, too expensive. Uh, even if you can get the $5 yes. tickets on StubHub, you still got to get down there and park and, and buy food. Um, and so they're, they're going to have an empty arena if they don't turn this around quick. I don't think they're going to turn this around quick. So um, yes. it's going to be bad. Well, I have, I have two last thoughts for you guys here is that uh, number one, it's kind of a disgrace that another franchise at this moment would put themselves in a similar situation. If not the, it's not the exact same, but similar to what the nets are in. When you can see a franchise who is at the very bottom of the, of the barrel uh, uh, and of the totem pole, whatever you might say. um, And they don't have any of their own future, most valuable assets. You look at that and you say, well, we cannot be that franchise. So to do that, uh, is, is brutal, which obviously, you know, uh, Sacramento put themselves in that place a couple years ago, not thinking that those picks would be as significant as they might be for the Sixers. Um, the second part is I get a feeling that the, the front office men, uh, and Tom, you tell me I'm completely wrong on this, but too many human interest pieces that they were watching over the last year and a half, right? Buddy Heald got a lot of publicity last year during the NCAA tournament for human interest stuff. Easy to sell, really good guy, great backstory, well-spoken, et cetera, media friendly, very antithesis uh, or polar opposite, if you will, from what Boogie has been in a lot of ways. And then on top of that, he had that rising star Saturday. Now, right when all this buzz was getting crazy, this guy is taken off right in front of a lot of GMs and people who are in attendance at you know the Saturday game, which is, by the way, an exhibition game. It's not real basketball. And I, hate, I would hate if those things mattered. And I, I kind of feel like they do a little bit. And that's where I get like the, the Sixers jaded part of me feels for the Sacramento uh, fans out there. And Tom, you specifically, man. Yeah, it, it, it that stuff definitely does play. I, I do want to say that Demarcus has an extremely good reputation in the community in terms of good. giving back and his involvement with nonprofits and his reputation. Especially, cool. uh, he, he's the kind of guy who does it extremely quietly and doesn't mm-hmm. want to be mentioned, but still does um, because people want to make sure that you know, I think people defend him a lot, uh, sure. especially people in the in the community in Sacramento. Um, see that he he doesn't go out to take credit for stuff and actually doesn't want the credit. And then, you know, people attack him for being uh, however he is on the court and in the locker room. And then people want to defend him, right? So they mentioned that, oh, yeah, he paid for that that slain football player's funeral. Oh, right. yeah, you know, he donated this much money to, to the school so they could rebuild their courts. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I, and I think the Kings know that, right? They know that he's sure. a good dude. Um, off the court and outside of the the locker room. So I hope that doesn't play too much. I will say that Vivek has shown a deep abiding love for shooters. Um, <laughs> when you go back to, to Stauskas and that um, that abysmal draft war room uh, video, when, when oh God, appears to make the Stauskas pick. Um, <laughs> he loves shooters, right? So Stauskas and now Buddy, um, and all the reports are that, that Vivek loves Buddy, and they really wanted him last year in the draft. So oh, um, yeah, so. I think there's something there in terms of they fell in love with Buddy, and there's a picture going around Twitter of Vlade watching Buddy score 28 points in the Rising Thirst Challenge on Friday. It's <laughs> um, not a good sign. Uh, just I, like you I, said. Just, oh, no. I'm just personally glad that he was at the Rising Stars game and not the Celeb game. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd have Wynn Butler starting at shooting guard um, <laughs> on a max deal, and that. Uh, that would actually be a little more entertaining, I think. But um, <laughs> may as well. Yeah, I think I think it all plays into it. Um, and they obviously 
think way more of Buddy Hill than anyone else in the league does. Um, and we're going to see if, if they're right or if the other 29 teams are right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. I think we can, we can leave it at that because we can see how this plays out. We can get Tom on here later in the year and we can maybe, or maybe next year or maybe in 2019, but we're going to be dissecting this trade for, for many years to come. And, and definitely one of the most interesting, if not the most inter- interesting trade I can think of uh, in recent memory, just due to the pieces here and, and the teams in play. Uh, so Nice when the NBA gets shaken up. Nice when it all happens, by the way, in a big microphone moment for the NBA, which is All-Star Game Weekend. You couldn't miss this. Uh, and now everyone's talking about it. So we're really happy uh, to be able to get Tom on here. Tom, thank you so much for, for joining us uh, in an impromptu uh, limited upside here, man. We, we love getting your thoughts. And, and nobody has better thoughts on the Kings than, than yourself, man. So thank you. Hang in there, buddy. Yes. All right. Yes. Thank you. Sending you, sending you hugs from, uh, from this, uh, this recording studio, buddy. Get better. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, thanks again, Tom. Mike, as always, thanks for joining us, buddy. And until next time, everyone, this is the Limited Upside Podcast. Yeah.